I'm your host, Kaylee, and I love my career as a venue manager and now owner. I'm a glutton for punishment, coffee addict, and an ambitious leader. I've seen and done some unglamorous things in this chosen career path, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Let's talk about the ups and downs of venue ownership, and I'll fill you in on the crazy stories, give you some knowledge on the nitty gritty details, and share my passion for this industry. Stick around, and I'm sure you're going to understand why operating a venue, although rewarding, is elegantly unglamorous. Why, hello. How is everybody doing today? I hope you are surviving wedding season and you are making it through because I know anyone who runs a venue by this time this year, we're probably burnt out and ready to toss in the towel and throw up the middle finger and walk away from it all. Um, but that kind of helps with today's topic because you can't just walk away from it all. Um, but first, I want to start every episode with a fun story, kind of a horror story. Um, and I have several of them. <laughs> so let me just draw one out of my hat. Um, the best one, the best one yet. Um, <laughs> ooh, kind of weird, um, kind of a little crazy. And how in the heck did this happen to me? I have no idea. But horror story number one, it was October of 2020. And we are still in operation because we are in Indiana. And Indiana is a conservative state, which means we had a little bit of leniency on our um, you know, COVID mandates and um, guest regulations. So we had, we were able to have group gatherings of up to 250 people. And our building has a max capacity of 500. So obviously I've got plenty of space to socially distance those 250 people. And so, yeah, we're in operation. There's a little backup on that COVID thing. But October of 2020, I have a couple that's a little bit different. They're a little, they're, they're a little different. Um, and the parents are a little bit different. And by different, I mean, the bride is very sweet, very kind, very timid, very quiet, a little weird. <laughs> um, the groom also very nice guy, never really had any issues with him. He's very quiet, but you can kind of tell He's been through some crap in his life and dealt with some BS because let me just tell tell you about his mother. First of all, um, you know, the, the I never really have bridezillas. I've had maybe one or two, but I will have about five momzillas <laughs> a year. And rightfully so because they usually are paying for the bill. Um, that That's, you know probably part of it. They want to get, you know, the m biggest bang for their buck and they want to make sure everything goes well. However, they're the ones that are never looking at the contract. <laughs> so they don't know what they've paid for. Um, but essentially what happens is, um, this bride's brother brings in outside alcohol and we have a three, 
Way liquor license. Um, so we cannot have any personal alcohol on the property. Um, he hides it the entire night. He never comes into the bar. Kind of slips under the radar. I don't know how he kind of got by, but the father of the bride goes up to one of my kitchen staff and says, hey, um, we need a mop because someone threw up in the bathrooms and I'm going to go clean it up. And I, I stopped because I overheard this and I turned around and I was like, oh no, we'll get that for you. Like, we don't, we don't want you having to deal with that. You know, we'll go in there. Is everybody okay? Like what's going on? And he goes, yeah, yeah, they're fine. He's like, I'll just, I'll do the mop. I was like, no, 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 no. Well, all my staff are females because we are a 95% female ran company. The only males are my security officers and my husband. (laughs) And so we go in there. Um, The security officer goes in there and he's like, hey, there's someone passed out in here. And there's a bottle of, you know, alcohol. The dad, the father of the bride comes out with a, what is it? Like a 450 or something like that. It's definitely not a 750 uh, milliliter, like a fifth of vodka. It's a little bit smaller than that, but it's definitely not a shot bottle. Um, I don't know how else to describe it, but he comes out with this smaller than what I serve behind the bar bottle of vodka. And I said, hey, what's that? And he looks at me and he says, well, it's yours. And I said, well, no, I don't buy that size of alcohol. What is that? And he goes, I don't know. I have no idea. I just found it in the bathroom. I was like, is that the guy that's passed out drunk in there? Threw up everywhere? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I took the bottle. And come to find out, I didn't really know at the time that it was the his son in the bathroom, you know, passed out because he had overconsumed alcohol from you know, his own, own supply. (laughs) I have security cameras all over the building, by the way. So that plays in the story later. But, um, he, you know, go, my officer goes into the bathroom and he's taking a little bit of time. I'm sitting outside of the men's restroom with a mop bucket waiting for him to clear out the bathroom so I can clean it up. And he says, Hey, there's, there's someone passed out in here. I'm trying to assess the situation if I need to call medics or not. And immediately I said, well, if you're questioning it, you better call the medics because there's no, if you ever have to question yourself, you probably should call the medics. Um, So I said, yes, please call the medics because if you have any question, I'd rather, you know, be safe than sorry. He's like, he's unresponsive. Uh, He's talking, but he's not moving. And I'm like, yeah, medics, please. So he calls in the medics. And of course, you know, when he, he's a police officer. So when he calls in the medics, he also puts in an emergency um, need for county sheriff to also come and assess the situation and whatever. So I'm waiting and I go outside in October. It's freezing cold and I'm waiting. We're in rural Indiana. Like our, it takes, it took probably ambulance to get here about 10, 15 minutes to get here. And I'm standing out in the parking lot to kind of show them where to go to our back door because I didn't want to alert the couple. I'm trying to think about the couple and not making them too worried However, I did go up to them and said, hey, your brother's passed out. I did call the ambulance. Everything is fine. We're going to handle this situation. 
But because it's outside alcohol, and I know it was outside alcohol, I'm no longer going to serve any alcohol behind my bar because I cannot control the consumption. And everybody is my responsibility. So at this time, I'm not going to serve any more alcohol. So your bar is shut down. It's probably about 930. And um, they were kind enough. They were like, okay, I totally understand. I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't want to alert them anymore. So I just let them be. And um, mother of the bride is sobbing because her son is in the bathroom drunk and passed out. And father of the bride is infuriated asking who gave him the bottle of liquor, trying to who gave him the bottle of liquor. What I'm trying to figure out is who would need to give him the bottle of liquor. Is he 21? Maybe not. I never did find this out, but maybe he's not 21 and somebody supplied that liquor to him definitely was not me because that's not the size of alcohol that I supply. And I have security cameras. He never once came in the bar and never once was served by my servers. So he's not my responsibility now. Um, but the ambulance get there, they pull a stretcher into the bathroom, they load him up, they put him into the, in, in the ambulance. And what's funny is the, the EMS is actually one of my groom's getting married in like six months from that time. He had already just booked his wedding. And I was like, see, this is why you don't have personal alcohol at your wedding. <laughs> and he was like, I totally get it. And so they haul him out into the stretch ambulance. And my security officer goes, hey, I don't want you going back inside. Please stay with me because the father of the groom is very irate. And the mother is cursing and getting very... Uh, verbally aggressive and I worry about your safety. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, what the hell? Why are they mad? And he's like, well, their words exactly was, where is your effing manager? I want to talk to them right now. Closing down this bar is BS. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to hang out with you. But silly me decided that oh my goodness, my bartender's in my office because I told her to hide because of, you know, the verbal threats. I'm trying to deal with the alcohol situation right now. And um, so I was like, I'm going to go back into the bar, grab the iPad out of the, you know, the POS system and grab my key out of the drawer. So then that way I know no one's going to go steal all the cash out of my drawer. As I'm walking back there, back there the mother of the groom catches me. And she corners me. Um, I have a groomsman that's talking to me. And he's standing there. And then she jumps in with her finger in my face, screaming at me. Um, you, let me tell you what, let me tell you. And uh, like up in my face. And it's so, she's so close to me. Um, I have a groomsman that is really trying to hold her back. And I said, this is my exact words, because I remember very clear what I said. I said, I'm not going to talk to you about this right now. You're verbally aggressive. It, we can talk with my security officer around. And I went to turn and walk away. And that's when she grabbed the back of my, it's October and I was outside. So I had like a hoodie sweatshirt on. Um, she grabbed the back of my hood and tried jumping over a groomsman to get to me. Yeah, kind of physically, you know, aggressive now. Um, at that point, I walked away and I was pissed. I was pissed, but nobody saw me and I threw a pen. <laughs> and I was like, 
God damn it. And I, like, I was so mad, guys. I, I had almost be, gotten like beat up by a mother of the groom. Um, and I was just like, oh, my God, I cannot deal with this. And so I walk out. And then, you know, as I'm walking out um, to go find my officer, because I almost got physically assaulted, um, to sheriff's officers are walking in. I said, mother of the groom just tried to physically assault me. She needs to be escorted off the property right now. And so they went, got mother and father and walked them off the property. Now, this is what I did. I went inside to the bride and the groom and I said, your mom just tried to physically assault me. I'm shutting down your wedding. And I went up to the DJ and I said, cut the music. We're done. And I turned around to everybody and I said, get the hell out of my venue because we do not tolerate this kind of behavior. Leave. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> Probably not the most customer friendly thing to do. I was so like, you know, when you get that adrenaline and you just don't think before you do things. I probably should not said hell. Um, but I was literally fuming, fuming. And they're like, what the hell is going on? Why? Blah, blah. Did you not just see your mom try to jump me? Did wh Where have you been? I don't know. Did you not see the police officers walking her out? I mean, do you think I'm really going to let you guys stay and party after that? No. Now you're, you're physically... You're physically threatening, threatening me and my staff, and I'm not going to stand for that. No, 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 no. That is my priority right there. Myself, my physical being, my business, and my staff. So I kicked him out. Guess what? I got a lot of feedback. <laughs> um, I got a lot of reviews from that. And do you know what? I'm not, I'm not very, I'm not very, um, I don't feel sorry. <laughs> I'm not remorseful for that. My actions, um, because I feel like any person would have reacted the way that I did. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know what, it, there's only so much you can do. And with only one police officer and, 150 people and the way that they were behaving and the way that they behaved all day acting like they owned us and they that we need it you know what I let that stuff go I really do but when you've tried to physically hurt me or my staff you are no longer welcome on my property so leave so I gave them 45 minutes to pack up their things I went to the bride and groom and I said I'm so sorry things had to end like this we do not tolerate this um and they were very remorseful and very sorry and they said I don't know how this happened um listen groom knows that this is how his mom is groom knows that she's a ticking time bomb um I could see it all over his face that this does, did not surprise him. The bride, maybe, because welcome to their family, honey. <laughs> but this is the drama that we deal with. And this is one of my crazy ass stories that I, you know, I have learned from. I have added a lot of stuff to my contract because of this story. And I've got several more for you, but that will be at a later time. So let's dive on into today's topic. So today I wanted to talk about venue ownership and how it isn't a hobby. Um, listen, 
being a photographer can be a hobby. Being a DJ can be a hobby. Being a baker can be a hobby. Being a florist can be a hobby. The one wedding event, the one wedding industry career that cannot be a hobby is owning and managing a venue. And the reason why I say that is because now you are using your venue to pay for a property or to pay for a building or to support your salary. A lot of people will work full time and try to run a venue at the same time, but eventually their end goal is to leave their full time job and run their venue full time. Um, because they're probably putting in 80 to, you know, 80 hours a week. They're, they're working nonstop. They're working their full-time job. Then they're also working their, you know, managing and running their venue on the off hours when they get home, answering emails and phone calls and all that kind of stuff. Um, the only thing that the only type of venue that I really could see being a hobby is just renting out a property for a venue. Um, so say it's just, an acre of land and you rent it out for them to bring in their own tents, their own porta johns, their own tables, their own chairs, something that's very minimal. It's just a property and you make 250, 500 bucks off of the property for a rental for a weekend, whatever. That I can see being a hobby because you're not really in charge of a building. You don't have the overhead expense of operating a building. You don't have the loan uh, and the personal investment that you put into you know, running a venue. And that's what a venue is. It is a major personal investment, not only financially, but physically and um, emotionally. You invest so much time and so much energy into building a venue to securing clients and bookings, to maintaining the business, and to generate some, probably some kind of, you know, retirement from it. So it takes a full-time person to manage and run a venue. And it's not a hobby. And if you have, if you have an outlook of running a venue as a hobby, there's going to be some major issues and downfalls because you're not going to have the time to give tours. You're not going to have the time to manage social media. You're not going to have time to answer phone calls and emails. You're not going to have time to be on site when you need a, a venue person there. Um, it's not just a weekend thing. It's not. It's not a Friday, Saturday thing because there's so much that goes into it. I mean, you got to give tours all throughout the weekdays. You, you've got to answer f emails and phone calls during the weekdays. You've got cleaning. You've got inventory management. Uh, the basics, I mean, that is the basics of operating a venue. So not only that, it, it takes time. And if you're not dedicated and you don't have the personal investment, I wouldn't expect it to go much further than a, like a very standard, standard, here's a property and maybe a tent. Because you, you've got to be able to put in the time. And if you just don't have the time to put it in, into it, then you're not going to have any growth. Um, also, another thing is clients can smell it they can smell it when they walk in the door. If they sense that this is a hobby versus a business, they lose respect for you. 
They really do. Um, they will lose respect for your business and operation. So you've got to have complete, complete ownership and, and self-discipline and, you know, you've, you've got to treat it like a business and and treat it like a money making business, not treat it as a hobby that is just going to pay for itself and not lead you in any direction because clients will notice that and your value will diminish over time. Um, and I think the last final part is you can't just walk away from a business. You can't, you, a hobby, you can be like, I'm done with it. I can't do this anymore. I'm not taking on any more clients or I'm not taking on any, any more weddings to DJ. I'm done after this year. I've got my equipment. I'm just going to sell it. A venue, you've got land, you've got property. Selling a venue could take years. There's so much that goes into it. So it's not an easy, just walk away from it. You have so much personal investment in this. You can't just walk away. So it is a business. And if you treat it as a business, it's going to be successful as a business. But if you treat it as a hobby, it's going to operate a hobby as a hobby and pay for itself. But it's not, it, if it even pays for itself. I'll tell you, like if I treated this as a hobby, it would not pay for itself and we would be in the hole, bankrupt and out of business. So um, the, the overhead expense of running a venue is astronomical. And so you have to be able to make the sales and to put the time in to build it and keep it and maintain it and keep it going. Like it's just part of it. So, you know, if you see venue ownership as just a side hustle or a hobby, I would, I would rethink what part of the wedding industry you want to go into because, you really need to see it as a business. It's one of those businesses that just have way too much overhead for it to be a hobby. Um, now, if it was more of a service, you could do it out of your home, that kind of stuff. Wedding planning, I it definitely could be a hobby. Um, it's just, if you see owning a venue as a hobby, it's not for, it's not for you. Maybe look into something else. <laughs> Maybe look into it. I think the, what the the biggest thing that I think attracts people to owning a venue is the glitter and shine of it all. And I think that a lot of that is also the attraction of making and creating your own schedule, your own schedule, which can be very nice. Trust me, it can it can be very rewarding. But um, the truth is, is that you still put in more than 40 hours, but you might just put that 40 hours in later in the evening into nighttime. Um, I know that sometimes I don't get to work until 10 o'clock. Um, but I also work until eight, <laughs> sometimes giving tours. So those days I will come in late because I know my value and I know my boundaries and I know I will get burnout if I don't. Um, another topic for later, but um, I put in a lot of hours and a lot of time and sometimes I'm putting in, you know, 80 hours during the summer and then during the winter I don't, I put in 20. So sometimes it does balance itself out, but I never once look at this as a hobby because I see it as a profiting retirement investment. I see it as a passion 
to build a business, operate a business, lead a staff, inspire others, and to help couples create a beautiful day. I do see it as very a very rewarding career, but definitely not a hobby. Not a hobby that I can walk away with. I'm not making jewelry here. I'm not um I'm not selling stuff, you know, on the side. This is definitely not a pyramid scheme that I can just opt out and didn't make any money this week. I'm just done. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of loss here. There's millions of dollars of loss if I walk away from this. Um, so you, you have to recognize what your investment is going to be. If you're looking for something that is a flexible schedule, Eh, probably. If you're still looking to put in and generate and put in the hard work of maybe 80 hours a week and you're willing to do that, then this might be the business for you. It, it might be an actual business. It's not going to be a hobby. So if you go in with the mindset of thinking of recognizing that this has to generate income. It has to cover its own expenses. It has to pay your staff. It has to pay you eventually. Um, if you go in with that mindset, it will eventually become that. But if you go in thinking that it's a fun activity that you can just do in your spare time, it's never going to reach that and it's going to fail. So, um, kind of a serious talk. I think it's because it, it kind of irritates me when I see, when I see uh, venue owners just treat it as a hobby and they don't treat it as like a, a real business. Um, so it, it's one of my buttons. Like don't treat you, don't treat your venue as a, as a hobby. Cause it's not, it's definitely not. And it takes, it takes way more money and takes way more energy than a hobby does. Um, but do I see a lot of other, you know, wedding vendors that have businesses that are hobbies all the time, all the time that does that bother me? No. Am I against anyone who does a hobby and a side hustle? No, I'm perfectly fine with it. And I do understand that, um, it generates some little bit of income and it gives you a little bit of things to do. But, um, I think that there's certain segments and certain things that shouldn't be considered a hobby ever. <laughs> and one of those is owning a venue. So that's it, guys. I'm going to get off my soapbox of that. Um, but I hope that this kicked you in the butt and opened your eyes that if you see this as a hobby, it's not for you. Find another thing to do. Um, if you're fully dedicated, willing to put in the 80 hours, willing to put in your own personal investment of time, money, and energy, if you know that you are in it for a long haul and you can't just walk away at the drop of a hat and you understand that, I think that you're going to be very happy and successful in owning a venue. So, all right, guys, that's it for this week. I will talk to you next week. Bye. Do you know another venue owner, event professional, or maybe an entrepreneur that you think will benefit from this podcast? Why don't you share it with them and help me inspire others? Stay informed by following or subscribing to this podcast. You'll be notified each time an episode is posted. You can also follow me for more tips and inspiration on Instagram at Elegantly Unclamorous Podcast or on our website at ElegantlyUnclamorous.com. I'll see you next time.